Always good to have important people in our lives, isn't it? They play such a significant role. And uh, Pastor Dave is on his vacation through the month of July. And uh, please continue to pray for him. If you think of him, send him a note of encouragement and uh, remind him that you're thinking of him and uh, that uh, praying he has a good rest. He'll come back refreshed and uh, some good days ahead. Are you looking forward to it? Yeah, for sure we are, right? We're in this together. We're a family working together. I don't know about you, but if, if you've experienced this, being maybe at a, um, somewhere with a group of people, and you hear a bit of talk, like they're gonna, they've got some plans, they're going to do stuff, and someone comes over you and says, hey, uh, you're invited too, you know, do you want to come with us? There's something special about that. You feel like a, a special guest. And I received an invitation uh, just a couple of weeks ago uh, for an event that was coming up. And, and, I, and, I, and I thought it was coming, but it was so nice to receive that invitation. I felt uh, like it was a special moment for me. Over these past few weeks, that we've been, as we've been doing our series, Invited to a New Way of Living, uh, you've been invited to uh, faith in Christ. You've been invited to hope in, in God. You've been invited to love God and to love neighbor. We've been invited to be fully devoted uh, citizens of heaven and, and the kingdom of God. And then last week, Pastor Yuri talked about how we're invited to follow Jesus, who is the Lord of creation and the Lord of, of recreation, as well as the Lord of all things, and he is in control. And our passage to ponder that we've been working through uh, through the series is Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. And I want to read it for you. It says, Then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died. Everybody say that with me. I died. Say, I did? What does that mean? He's talking there about this idea that when we come to Christ, we die to ourselves, we die to our, our own nature, to the things that we want to do and how we want to run our lives and the plans that we have for our lives. We put them aside. We literally die to ourselves and Christ becomes the central focus and the figure of our lives. He says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. Today, I want to talk about how we are invited to tell others the good news. You might say, well, what does that mean? What, what, what are you talking about when you say the good news? Well, if we look to the, the New Testament and the early Christians, for them, the good news was the gospel of Jesus. The good news is that Jesus finished the job. When, when we read the story in the Gospels of, of Jesus going to the cross and dying on the cross, one of the last things that he says is, it is finished. And that is significant because when Jesus said that, he was talking about the work of coming and making payment for, for the sins of all humanity, making a way for us to have relationship with God. The job was done. The good news is, is that now if we respond to an invitation of the, towards the good news to believe that we can experience new life, that the best is truly yet to come. The good news is, is that Jesus came and rescued us from the dark side and he transferred us into the kingdom of God. And the good news is, is that you and I can experience grace and peace the peace of God, which it means forgiveness and freedom and wholeness and rest. 
Those things sound pretty good, don't they? That's the good news that we've been offered. And if we respond to his invitation to believe the good news, we become part of God's family. Our history is literally put behind us. God, when he looks at us, when we, when we choose to follow Christ, when he looks at us, he no longer labels us based on our past. And if we, so for some of us, we go, well, you know, I've done a lot of good things. I've lived a pretty good life. If he looked at me, he'd say, well, that's good enough. He, no, he doesn't look at that. See, there's nothing that sort of earns our way into good relationship with God. We all are at level ground. We all are unworthy. We don't deserve to have relationship with God. The other side of it is, part of this good news, is that he doesn't hold the past against us. That history, those labels that we have, a lot of time, not just what people put on us, what we put on ourselves because of the choices and the decisions that we've made, and we only see ourselves in that light. He no longer labels us that way. That's the good news. We have new life in Christ. Now, I'm not saying today that there's no cost to following Jesus. It requires us giving up control. I've watched some of you drive. You like to be in control. We like to be in control, right? We, we like to be in charge, to, to have ownership. We like to be, uh, you know, have our own sort of identity. And, and when Christ calls us to follow him, he calls us to put those things aside to become in Christ, that he becomes, as I mentioned, that central figure of our lives, but once you've experienced that, there's nothing like it. Sure, life is not perfect, but when we experience this good news, life is never the same. And the bigger thing is this, that once you've experienced that, why wouldn't you share it with others? There's something that happens, and we, there's, we are compelled to sort of share. Last weekend, I, went, uh, I took my kayak and went fishing, and uh, was out there, and, and I was out by myself, and I, I hooked on to this beautiful bass. I don't know if you like fishing. If you don't, you're like, I don't even care about this story. And if you like fishing, <laughs> I hook on to this beautiful bass, and I pull it out. And what's the first? I'm out there by myself, right? The first thing I do, I pull out my phone, and I take a picture, and I send it to Sonia, who really doesn't even care if I fish, but she knows I like it. But I send it to her and go, look who I found, Right? Because I was so excited to share this good news of what just happened. When we experience the good news, there's something in us that wants to tell others about it so they can experience it. Now, initially, that sounds a little overwhelming. Ali, are you serious that I need to share my faith with somebody else? Now, I'm not going to do a TED Talk today on how to share your faith all right, if that's what you're thinking. We're going to talk about how to tell others the good news, but I'm not going to do that today. In fact, I would encourage you, if you want to go on YouTube, last weekend, uh, Marianne uh, Oketch was at Whitby Christian Assembly and did a talk about how to share a faith. If you don't know who Marianne is, she was the one who won Survivor recently, and a Christian, uh, and she has a great story. Anyway, she shared some great tips on how to share our faith, and I encourage you just to watch that video. She can help you way better than I can. But my point today is this. Every follower of Jesus, if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, we have a part to play in telling others the good news 
The question today that we're going to try to answer is, what is my part? What is my part in telling the good news? And our passage that's going to help us through this today is we've been working our way through the book of Colossians. It's Colossians chapter 1, verse 24 to 29. If you want to turn to version Bible app, go there and follow along or however you want to do that. But I want to read it for you this morning. Paul writes this. Now, I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. Wow, that's a huge statement in itself. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, which is the church, I have become its servant by the commission of God that he gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people or or the followers of Christ. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is, he says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. He, speaking of Jesus, is the one we proclaim, we admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. And to this end, Paul says, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. To help us answer this question today of how do we, what's my part in telling others the good news, let's unpack this for a few minutes. First thought is this, your part in telling the good news might be suffering and sacrifice. In verse 24, there we read, now I rejoice, Paul says, in what I am suffering for you, I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. And then in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, Paul writes, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Now, you might, your first response to me might be, what? Are you serious, Al? And my response to you would be, I know. Nobody wants to think that when we sign up to follow Christ, that part of uh, sharing the good news or telling others the good news about Jesus involves suffering and sacrifice. But it's true. Paul, of all people, knew this. Paul didn't sign up for suffering and sacrifice when he became a follower of Christ. He's, He's on the road to Damascus. Jesus himself appears to him calls him to follow him and says, I am sending you, Paul, to go and tell people about me all across the empire. And so Paul, from what we read about him, he's a pretty spunky, pretty, you know, he is passionate about everything that he does. And he has this plan to cover the whole Roman Empire at that time to tell the good news about Jesus. He is so excited. And where does he end up? In jail. In jail. He's a prisoner, and he becomes dependent on others to go and to share the good news with other people. Yet he wouldn't, the truth of the matter is, had Paul not ended up in jail, we likely wouldn't have this letter that we're studying today. The letter that he wrote to the church in Colossae, called the Colossians that we read. 
we likely wouldn't have a good portion of the New Testament where Paul unpacks what it means to be a follower of Christ, what the good news is, and, and deals with all of the different issues that were happening at that time that we can relate and parallel to our lives today to help us to become who God wants us to be. We wouldn't have it. But Paul understood something because in verse 6 of this same chapter just that we looked at just a few weeks ago, Paul understood that even while he was in jail, he says the good news is bearing fruit and growing throughout the world. Paul knew that even though he personally was stuck in jail, limited, that the good news was spreading and that his suffering and his sacrifice was actually going to be worth something even though he couldn't see it at the time. I think of Nick Boychichi. He's the, the guy who was born with uh, tetraamelia syndrome where he was born with no arms and no legs. And as a young man, he, he lost hope. He felt he had no purpose in his life. And he came to a point in his life where he made a decision and chose to follow Christ. And something happened that through his suffering, through this disability that he had, God opened a door for him to travel and to begin to go to schools and to share the good news with students and to go into jails and to share the good news with people. And I just went on his website this week. He has a goal to share the good news with over 1 billion people before 2028. Can you believe that? Because he is like, I don't care. This suffering is not going to limit. This has opened a door for me to share the good news. Or William Carey, famous for his uh, global outreach work in India in early in the 1800s of telling people the good news. And many people who uh, are missionaries or global workers today would go back to his story as something that encourages them. Maybe one of the reasons why they decided to leave the comforts uh, of North America or Europe at that time and to go places and to tell people about Christ. And yet for William Carey, he sacrificed, he suffered. He spent 41 years, and even through that, those 41 years, just 700 people came to know Christ. Through those 41 years, without taking a break, he went through such heartache. He lost his five-year-old to dysentery. He lost his wife to mental health disorder where she broke down, and they actually put, had to take her away. He wrestled with that, but it was through his life, even through his suffering and sacrifice, that other people were inspired to go and to share the good news with others. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a German theologian during the time of the Nazi regime in Germany, said, the cross is laid on every Christian. The first Christ suffering which every man or woman must experience is the call to abandon the attachments of this world. It is that dying of the old self which is the result of his or her encounter with Christ. My point today is this. Whatever suffering or sacrifice you might experience as a follower of Jesus, God will use it to speak to others the good news about Jesus. My friends today who are here with disabilities, you may be here 
and you question, and I'm sure there isn't a day that you wish that you didn't have those disabilities. I want to encourage you today and remind you that God is speaking through your life to others just by the suffering that you're going through. For others who may be here today, my friends, and your health is failing. There were times when you had uh, so much energy, so much uh, passion, desire, and so many things, but you're so limited today, maybe because of health issues. I want to tell you today, God is still speaking through your life, even through your struggle, your sacrifice, and your suffering. God is still sharing the good news. People look at you, and they see your attitude, and they are challenged by it. People who aren't even followers of Christ look at your life, and they see the things you're going through, and the attitude that you have in that. And you may feel like at times, I don't think I have a great attitude. But you're trying, and Christ's power, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, is helping you. God is spreading the good news even through that. My friends here today, and you've sacrificed so much to follow God's path. You've made choices to do what God wants you to do, and other people haven't understood, or other people you know, have had questions about that, but you've sacrificed so much. Listen to me today again. The sacrifice is worth it. God is sharing the good news. He's telling others the good news through what you're sacrificing in your life. And my friends today who've lost someone, and you wonder if you can get through tomorrow, let alone today, your will to go on every day is spreading the good news to others. You're inspiring us. You're inspiring people. How can you even go through that? How can you go on through what you've been through in your life? And you recognize it's only Christ who's able to do that. Now, suffering and sacrifice might or might not be a part of your life, and to what extent, I don't know. But it's part of sharing the good news with others. The other thought that I have related to this is, your part in telling the good news to others will likely be struggle and solitude. You're going, Al, this is not good news. <laughs> it's not getting any better here. It may be a little less than suffering and sacrifice, but struggle and solitude? Verse 29, Paul wrote these words. He said, to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Paul knew what it was like to struggle. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he shares a little bit with the church in Corinth about some of the things he struggled because they were like picking and choosing who they were going to follow. Well, we're going to follow Apollos and we're going to follow, you know, these people. And he's going, listen, why won't you listen to me? And he gets to the point where he actually, he, he tells them some of the things that, I, that he's gone through on their behalf. And he says this, are they servants of Christ? I am more. And he's trying not to be boastful, but he's telling them reality. He's saying, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged or whipped more severely, been exposed to death again and again. I have labored and toiled. And then in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, we read these words where Luke writes, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I'm just going to say it today. 
The path of following Jesus is called the narrow way and the road less traveled for a reason. It's never going to be the most popular thing to do. Following Jesus is hard work, and it can be lonely. It's not easy following him. It's not easy choosing a lifestyle that is countercultural or can be countercultural, where you choose not to compromise in situations where people, either at work or in other situations, say, hey, will you say this or do this? Or will you, you know, will you, will you just tell these people this and lie for me? Or will you, you know, will you choose not to, you know, charge tax on that thing? Or whatever it may be, whatever it is. They ask you to compromise, and inside you go, I can't. That's not easy. Choosing to be misunderstood. Choosing to not always do what's socially acceptable. It's no easy undertaking to make choices to do that's opposite to what everybody else is choosing to do. I was just reading last night one of the uh, books that I got uh, uh, of biographies and, and was reading this one about Eric Liddell. This is an old one from the early 1920s, and Eric actually won the gold medal in the 1924 Olympics in Paris. And he won this gold uh, for Great Britain, set a world record in the 400 meter, and you go, well, you know, just another athlete. The, the interesting thing was the controversy was is that he had trained for the 100 meter. And Britain was all excited to have his runner. He had set records, and they were excited to have him at the Olympics representing them, and when he found out that the trial runs for the 100 meter were on a Sunday, he said, I won't race. And people were like, what? What do you mean you won't race? He said, I won't do it. Sunday is the Lord's day. It's the Sabbath. It's, it's the day of rest. It's what I was raised on believing, and I will not compromise it. And people were asking him, Eric, it's a race. Like, come on. This is the Olympics. And he refused to do it. And finally, they said, okay, well, what are you going to do? Well, I can run in the 400 meter because none of the trial runs or the race are going to happen on a Sunday. And so he, he goes into this race, and he was, they're like, this, what's going to happen here? You know, he's a sprinter for 100 meter. What's a 400 meter? He's going to get so far down the track, and he's going to be burnt out. And, it's a, and people were not hopeful, and he runs this race, and he, sets a, he wins the gold, and he sets a record. And people were amazed at what happened out of that. And Eric wrote these words. He says, if I know something to be true, am I prepared to follow it, even if it's contrary to what I want or what others think? Will I follow if it means being laughed at by my friend or foe, if it means personal financial loss or some kind of hardship? It is not easy following Jesus. It is not easy sharing the good news. I remember as a young man, as a new believer, and I was in trade school as an electrical apprentice. And I was trying to, you know, to interact with these other guys that, that worked at other companies and in and, and the trades. And I would bring my Bible in and read it. And I would, you know, I would oftentimes would go and have lunch and just read a book and I would try to figure out how can I influence these guys and there were times that they would invite me to go places and I knew that I, it wouldn't be good for me to go and I had to refuse it. And it was hard because I was trying to figure out how do I, as a follower of Jesus, 
influence these guys in some way. And I want to tell you, it felt lonely at times. Choosing to do things the way Christ asked me to do, yet wanting to be an influence. Former New Testament professor Curtis Vaughn wrote this. Paul saw suffering as a necessary part of his ministry and knew that they were incurred in the line of duty. Paul saw something here. He understood that the struggle and the solitude, though not welcomed, were to be expected if you're going to follow Jesus in the same way that emergency service personnel go into the job, not welcoming injury or death, but putting their lives on the line with the possibility that those things can happen, but believing it's worth the risk if I can save or help one person. The struggle and solitude of following Jesus should make us stand out. It may give us greater opportunity to tell others about Jesus, but I believe this. It will definitely play a part in telling the others the good news. Because part of that solitude is time spent in prayer. Part of that time is praying for people. And there's probably one person that comes to your mind today that you know that is not a follower of Christ today or maybe on the edges of faith or maybe they don't believe in God at all and they've rejected it completely. They have no interest in it. And their, mind, their name comes to you today. The very fact that their thought mind comes to you today and we pray for them and say, God, would you work in their life? God, would you, would you speak to them? Would you open their eyes to the truth? Through that prayer, God is advancing the good news. He is working in that person's life. Do you believe that today? He is working in that person's life. And he's telling the others the good news through, even through our struggle and our solitude. And that's why it's so important that we have each other in community. That's why it's so important that in this struggle and, and, and sacrifice, in the solitude, that we, we join together as believers and followers of Christ in community. We are in this together. Do you believe that? Well, a few of you do. We're in this together, right? Yeah. Yes, we are, of course. We need each other. And we need to pray for each other and to help each other. Prayer is such a significant part of telling others the good news because we, God is working constantly behind the scenes and doing stuff we can't even see. And lots of times there's so many things happening under the surface that we can't get blinded by what's happening on the surface and thinking that people are, they have no interest in God. God is working in their lives as we pray for them. I love what this church in Singapore decided to do. Every year they use the 531 method, it says. Beginning of the year, they ask everybody in the church to think of five people who they know who are on the edges of faith or aren't interested in faith at all. And to bring those five names, and they, and they tell them, over this year, you're going to pray for three of them. All five of them, you're going to pray that three of them will come to know Christ. That at least three that year will make a decision to follow Christ. And then they're going to pray that they'll have the opportunity to tell one of them, to lead one of them to Christ. The 531 method. So important that we do this. The hard work of following Jesus, let me tell you today, is never wasted effort. That's the good news. Everything we do in this life, everywhere we go, as followers of Christ, that we represent him, he is working through our lives 
through what we're experiencing and through what we're saying. And this is my last thought. Your part in telling others the good news will definitely be serving and sharing. Paul, back to verse 25, says, I've become the church, its servant, by commission of God, that he gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Pastor Ken wrote, read earlier from Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. If you and I are going to tell others the good news, we're gonna, it's going to take what we call show and tell. I don't know about you, when you went to school, they have show and tell when you went to school? Yeah. I'm really old, obviously. <laughs> show and tell was he got, you know, your teacher would go, and they do this to help kids to, you know, get more confidence. They say, okay, we want you to bring something to school that's important to you, and you're going to show the class, and then you're going to tell them about it, why it's so important to you, right? And that whole idea requires us, as followers of Jesus, to show up. You know, in the words of Marianne O'Catch that she shared last week, it to show up, to use our gifts. You know, God has given you some unique gifts and abilities that he wants you to use to tell others the good news, to influence them, to, to, to show them your love for Christ. Marianne talked about our hospitality, the very fact that we in, invite people into our lives, that we, you know, we, we do things with them, that we uh, share with them, that we spend lives together, invest in time with them. We actively love others and we show kindness to people. Show and tell. It also requires us to listen up and to speak up at times. It's not enough for people just to see our lives, for us to show those things. There are times when God orchestrates opportunities for us to speak about him, but part of, a lot of times it begins with relationship, of just listening, of just listening to what people and what's happening in their lives. And sometimes some of the best things you can do is ask really pointed questions that aren't aggressive, but really get people to really think about what's really important in life. We're called to listen up and to speak up at times with gentleness and respect. The theologian from the 1800s, J.B. Lightfoot, wrote this. The church is built up by repeated acts of self-denial in successive individuals and successive generations. They continue the work which Christ began. The serving and the sharing that Jesus did became a model for the first church, has been a model since that time for all churches, so why is it any different for us? There's that model there for us. If you look at what Jesus does and the ministry that he does, he goes places, and he, in, he you know, they, they blamed him for being a friend of sinners. You know, he would have meals with people who were the outcasts of society. They go, Jesus, why, why are you hanging out with those people? And there was something, people who didn't know Christ were actually attracted to Jesus because they saw what religion looked like because they could see it at the time through Judaism and being rejected and feeling guilty all the time. And Jesus welcomed them 
into relationship. And yet he never compromised, and he never stopped respectfully telling them the truth and nailing in their lives exactly what the issues were, and they actually loved him for it because of the relationship that he established with them. And he listened to them, and he met them where they were. Talk about a model for us and how we can show and share Christ, the good news, with others. Now, you may hear this today and say, oh, wow, that seems so overwhelming. Man, I got so many things in my life, and I got to think about telling others the good news. I got to be conscious of that. And, and, and you know, I'm an introvert, and I struggle with talking at times to people, and, and, and what are people going to think? And, and I've got to get through life, and I sure don't want to get through life suffering and, and sacrifice. How on earth am I going to get through that and struggle? This does not sound like good news to me. Hang on, I got more good news. And it is good news. Don't forget, in the midst of all of this idea of telling others the good news about God's sovereignty or his plans and his supremacy or his power. God is even more interested in the people that you know that your heart aches for that are on the edges of faith that don't know him his heart aches for them more than yours. His heart is broken by the things that they choose to do in their lives and the way that they have, have polluted their lives with things that distract them from the truth and the things that hold them back from experience life with Christ. His heart aches even more than yours can, if that's even imaginable for some of you. But in part of this, he wants them to know him even more than you do. And that's why Paul writes here in, in Colossians 1, 27, 29, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And Paul says, to this end, I strenuously contend, which we talked about, with all the energy that Christ so powerfully works in me. And then back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, where he says, but we have this treasure or this good news in jars of clay, or, you know, and basically they had all these different jars that were for different purposes. And the clay ones, you know, they were pottery. They easily broke. They were cracked. They could easily be thrown away. And he says, us, we are like jars of clay and cracked. He says he puts this treasure, the good news, in these jars of clay to show that his all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. My thought is this. God in his plans brings about the response to the good news. You don't have to try to get people to come to Christ. We're not called as followers of Christ to convert people, right? We don't go keep a score. Okay, well, how many, how many converts did you get this week, Right? That's not what it's about. Our, we are called to live the good news, to see the effects in our lives, to live that out, to tell others the good news. And God does the work. He produces a result in people's lives. Our job is just to do our part, to be available in whatever he asks us to do. But the other part is this. God, in his power enables us to do our part. See, if he's gifted you with abilities, 
and some things you can do that help you to build relationship with people or, or to, you know, to, to be a, a blessing to them or to show kindness in some way, he actually will work through that by his power to use that to open doors, to share the good news with others. There may be things that you do, maybe in your workplace at times you feel, oh, why am I here? What am I doing? I feel like this is such a, 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 I feel like I'm waiting in my life for something better all the time. I feel like I'm just spinning my wheels. Or you may, you know, you may be in retirement and go, I spent all my life working and doing all of those things and now I'm in retirement and I'm bored out of my skull. I don't know what to do with myself half the time, right? I wouldn't mind retirement, but I don't want to be bored. <laughs> or you may think, I've got all these things, what can I do with it? God in his power wants to work through your life to open doors of opportunity for you to work through your life. What did we sing today? If I'm not dead, you're not done. God is still working, and he wants to work his power. And even through when we talked about sacrifice and struggle, he will give you what you need every day to get through it. He wants to work his power through our lives. In fact, he does his best work through our weakness because he wants to accomplish something great. He wants people to experience the good news. So what now? What, what do we do with all this we've talked about today? First, respond to the good news. Maybe you're here today and, and, and the good news, you've heard it before, but maybe today there's something in your heart that's challenging you. Maybe I need to respond to this good news. And I don't care how long you've come to this church or how long you've gone to church at all. I know that sometimes, you know, going to church becomes a religious exercise where inside there's nothing happening. And today, God wants you to know he wants you to experience relationship with him. He wants you to experience good news in your life today. And I'm here today, and this message is being talked today, and you're here today because God wanted you to hear the good news and to be reminded. Why not respond to it? What have you got to lose? If everything that I've talked about is just made up, what have you got to lose? If you respond to the good news today, hey, you know what, Jesus? I'll give this a try. What's the worst that could happen? Really? I can tell you today, I'll never regret the day that I chose to follow him. Has my life been perfect? Absolutely not. I am blessed in so many ways, so don't get me wrong. My life's not perfect, just like yours isn't. But I know that whatever I go through in my life, God is with me. He walks with me. And times when I walk along and, or and journey off by myself, he is always there waiting. Always has and he always will waiting. He says, Al, come on. I want to walk through life with you. I want to help you. I want you to know that I'm there. I want to tell you, there is nothing like that in all the world to know that no matter where you are, no matter what's happening in your life, that you are never alone. And he knows exactly how you feel. Why not respond? 
The other part to this is why don't we do our part? First of this, if you're experiencing suffering and sacrifice, allow God to help you through, through your attitude and perspective. I, listen, I haven't walked through your shoes, so I don't even know what you're going through completely. But I know that when you depend on God and he helps you, and you're going to have bad days, I get it, we all do, and we're going to have good days, if you allow him to help you to have the right attitude and the right perspective through those days, God will not only help you, he will work through your life to inspire other people, to tell them, to show them the good news about Jesus. For those who are struggling and you're going through that solitude and it seems heavy at times like you're all alone, listen, it's so important that we remain faithful, that we get a part of community. Sometimes we alienate ourselves because we think I'm the only one going through this and it's not true. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Dave talked about the story of Elijah, talking about how he was depressed, and he thought, you know, he was being chased by Jezebel, he was going to take his life, and, he, he, and God says, what are you doing? He says, oh, I've done all of these great things, and nobody wants to follow you. And God tells him what to do, but at every time at the end, he reminds him, says, oh, by the way, Elijah, you're not the only one. There's all of these people that are still in Israel that still want to follow me. Don't alienate yourself. Whatever you're going through, be a part of community. Connect with the people in your life. Ask, share with them, listen, I'm struggling today. They're not going to text you back and go, don't bother me. If they do, send me a text and tell me who it is because I'll go see them. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> They're not going to do that because there's nothing more than someone reaching out. Oh, absolutely. I'll pray for you today. Is there anything else I can do to help? Because that's who Jesus calls us to be. And praying. Prayer is hard work. But let me tell you, it has results. Finally, today, how can we respond? We just keep on serving and sharing. Let the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, guide you. If you start praying when you get up in the morning, God, guide me today. Let me be a person who shares the good news with others, work through my life to inspire and to help other people. You start praying that every morning, God will start working things in your life where you're crossing people's paths and you're having opportunity to talk with people or situations might happen at work. And you're like, gosh, I got a lot of other things to do right now, but I'm like, this actually might be a really important conversation to have with this person right now. Or this might be an important moment where I can do something for this person. Or maybe a person comes to mind and you're like, oh, yeah, I'll pray for them. Send them a text maybe. Say, hey, I just thought of you today and you came to my mind and I don't think it's an accident that you came to my mind today. Can I pray for you? Keep on serving and sharing. God wants to tell others the good news through your life. Let's let him do it. Shall we? Let's let him do it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that you're with us. God, I pray for those who may be here today. This may be new for them, this idea of the good news 
Maybe it's old for them, but new in this moment. I pray you'd work in their lives. Lord, speak to us today. Remind us of the truth of the good news of all that you have done for us and help us to respond to it. I pray for anyone today who, who is working through that, that God, I pray as they move towards you this morning, God, and say, yep, I'm going to respond today. Give them the courage to not only make that decision, but to keep making that decision and to tell someone else about it so that we can have community together and to help each other. And I pray for those, as we have heard today, we want to tell others the good news and, and, and their struggle and their sacrifice and their suffering and their solitude. And there's that, that responsibility of showing and, and sharing. God, we feel incompetent in so many ways to do any of this. God, I thank you for your power that you promised today to work in our lives and through our lives. And I pray that you would do that. God, even as we go from this place this morning and into this week, I pray that you would work through our lives, God, and that we would see you in a new perspective. We would see the opportunities around us. May our eyes be open to see the people in our lives that you've placed there and the opportunity to influence them towards you. Give us what we need to be able to do that and to live out who you've called us to be, to live out the good news and to reflect you more. And Father, we thank you for this today. In Jesus' name, amen.